0: We're going to be talking about two words that are, are difficult at, at best within the family of God. It is predestination and election. When it, when it comes to the thought that God chose you and me, and that we have nothing to do with that process, that is a hard message for some to comprehend. Well, is true to the Word of God, our Lord teaches us much more than that through the Word of God. God has given us opportunities in this call that He has made upon our lives. Well, we come to these two words, and we come to the place where God makes an amazing statement. Let's set the ground groundwork for this, because it's been over a month. The book of Ephesians we find ourselves standing on holy ground. This is this place in Scripture is foundational to you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul is about to establish the church. He's going to establish it upon the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. To be very honest with you, Within our faith as Christians, there should not be many denominations. Denominations began because some people could not fall in line with what was being taught. So they thought, well, I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so they would start another denomination to kind of bend the Bible, if you would, into their way of thinking. The truth be told... We should all be Christians and the church should be a foundational building that is there to house believers in Jesus Christ and those whom you and I invite to church so that they might have the privilege of hearing what does the Bible say about salvation? Not a philosophical point of view of what is uh, religion all about, Uh, what are the good and the bad things. The Bible has been written so that you and I might be tutored by it, might be taught through it. And so we are to teach the Word of God to the believers who come to help us grow more deeper in our faith so that when we're out in the society in which we live, we can bring people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Bible ought to be taught from the church and the pulpit so as the when we do bring our friends who are not yet certain whether they've come to Christ or not yet so that they might have an idea of what it is they're coming to not a philosophy of a denomination and so the the bible was brought by paul to the churches now remember the book of ephesians was, we told you, a circular letter. By that, it wasn't just to go to Ephesus and stay there. It was a letter that was to be passed along to all the churches in Asia Minor so that all of them might have this foundational truth so that they might feel secure in who they are in Christ. Of all the things that this book will do to your heart and my heart, will set us secure in who we are in Christ. So, importantly, because of the message that Paul is bringing here in the book of Ephesians, he introduces himself immediately. Look at verse 1. Do you remember? He says, I am Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. In other words, called by the will of God. As we explained, the reason that Paul introduces himself immediately as an apostle is to verify everything that he is about to say to these churches in Asia Minor so that they might be secure, not in who Paul is, but in who is speaking through Paul to them. In other words, so that they would be secure in their faith in God all established through his Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, let's jump a little bit ahead. Let's see what Paul is establishing. We'll come back to this in due time. But Paul is going to establish the true church. It's foundational to everyone. Until Jesus Christ returns. That's what Paul's going to say. There is to be no change in the rules. There is no, there's to be no change in what Paul is about to teach. We've been told in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. You know the verse. Jesus Christ says, or is said of Jesus Christ, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, tomorrow. He won't change he is the same yesterday today and forever and so with that in mind with that truth established paul is saying you have no you have no right in changing what the apostles are teaching us that's why we spent so much time if you recall back when we were going through the book of acts we came back to the second chapter Because we wanted to establish, what is this church? What is the Rock Community Church? What are we established upon? And in Acts chapter 2, it tells us very clearly. Peter said to the people who had just come to Christ, he says, I want you to completely devote yourselves. Remember? I want you to be completely devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to communion, to prayer, to the giving of your finances, regardless of of what you're making, what you feel you can give, you are to give unto the church and to fellowship. Those six principles are to be established within every church. Continually devoting ourselves to the teaching of the Word of God, to fellowship with one another, to communion, to prayer, to giving of our finances, and to worship. That's what we're all about. That's what the church is all about. Why? Why are we to establish ourselves in this fashion? Well, because Jesus Christ established this. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. He says that God, He, put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him, talking about Jesus Christ, as head over all things to the church. Which is, we are His body. That's us. When we gather together like this, we are called the body of Christ. And we are to establish, and we are to put into motion what He is teaching us about who He is, and who we are in Him. Look at verse 23 again. Which is His body. That's you and me. We are the fullness of, of Him who fills all in all. And also, so importantly, Paul further taught in chapter 2, verses 20, 21, and 22, that we have been built, verse 20, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's what we taught out of Acts chapter 2. We have built ourselves upon that foundation that they taught us. But... Jesus Christ, it says further in verse 20, is the what? He's the cornerstone. In other words, He is everything. Without the cornerstone, you cannot build the building. You cannot set it so that it's, it's rock solid. He is everything to us as a church. He is the cornerstone of this church. The senior pastor is not, not all of that in the church. None of us are. We are all following after Him. We have followed the, the, the law and the rules that has been set down by the apostles and the prophets. But Jesus Christ, make no mistake about it, is the cornerstone of every single church that opens its doors. At least they ought to be. And if they are not, and if He is not, I should say, and they are building their church upon a false foundation. Verse 21, In whom the whole building, that's you and me, We're being fitted together. We're growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, In whom we also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so Paul sets that foundation. That's the foundational truth of the book of Ephesians. What we have has been established by the apostles and the prophets. They have taught us what Jesus Christ told them to teach us. And what they have taught us is that He is our cornerstone. He is everything. It's not a denomination. Denominations, I don't know, I don't understand why they do that. Christ is our, if you want to call it, our denomination. He is everything to us as a church. And so we've established this church upon what we believe is the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. We've established this church that Jesus Christ is everything. Each of us have been given different gifts. I have been given a gift. My gift, because of order, and we always are supposed to have order. The Bible teaches order. Because we're to have order, my title is Senior Pastor. But really, that in a dime. Can't even buy you and me a cup of coffee. It is meaningless. It just is one of the gifts that God has given us. I do not take seriously who I might be in Christ. I take, well, that's a very bad statement, because I do take very serious what, he, what He's given me as a gift. But I do not take the issue of who I am, like I'm, you know, I'm the, the law here. No, no, He is everything here. We've built our church upon the rock, solid foundation of the very cornerstone of what the church ought to be built upon. And that is none other than Jesus Christ. So now, so now, before Paul is going to teach us all of that, he's going to lay a very deeper foundation. What he wants you and me is to be secure in who we are in Christ Jesus in this body of believers called the church. Now, I said this before, you might have forgotten, but let me remind you. Verses 3 to verse 14 is one complete thought, one sentence. But in this one complete thought, we see the past, the present And the future of the church being planned by God Almighty. Verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Let's read them again. Blessed, verse 3. Blessed, wait a minute, let me tell you what it means. It is God, it talks about God the Father. And how He has planned the church long ago in the distant past. Watch what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Watch, verse 4. Big verse. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. That tells us what took place in the past. God allows you and me, through the book of Ephesians, through Paul's writing as an apostle, to see how God planned the church long ago, before He even built this place called the earth he has chosen you and me to be a part of his family adopted to be holy and blameless before him that all took place because of what took place in the present jesus christ god's son paid for your and my salvation and that is that is now watch Verse 7, in Him, it says, we have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of our transgresses according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention which He purposed in Him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of all of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. In Him, you and I have obtained an inheritance. That's present tense. We have been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be, To the praise of His glory. And so we see God the Father long ago planned the church. Called you and me to be a part of it. In the present He gave us Jesus Christ. So that we might have our sins paid for. Right now. Paid for. So that we might stand before Him holy and blameless. And then God the Holy Spirit is mentioned in verses 13 and 14, and He will forever protect this body called the church until the Lord Jesus Christ returns to take us home. Look at verses 13 and 14. In Him, talking about the Holy Spirit, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now watch, verse 14. Who has been given as a pledge, in other words, something future to come. A pledge, it says, of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. And so what we see is God the Father planned the church in our past Jesus Christ paid for the church so that we would be acceptable to God right now in the present and God the Holy Spirit will forever protect you and me and the church and He has given you and me a pledge that we will one day inherit. That is our inheritance. That's, that is more stuff than, 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 than you and I will ever need. But if it does nothing for you, What I want to do today through this message, by the grace of God, is to secure you and me in who we are in Christ. To understand what it means to be elected, predestined, chosen by God. And I know some of us will have trouble with that word. But let me tell you what God will always do. He teaches both sides to a coin. And Paul is going to teach us this. For those of you that cannot put your head around that God chose you, and you start wondering, whoa, what if he didn't choose me? He is going to set you free. He's going to secure you in who you are. Let's pray for that to happen. Lord, please, would you do us the greatest privilege? Again, I thank you for Rob, for how he taught. I thank you for Wes Porter, how he taught. And Pastor Bill and Pastor Fred and and how you, Father, just set us into the wonderful teaching of your Word from these four men. And would you do us now a great privilege, Father? Would you, as it says in the book of, of Psalms, would you open up our eyes? And may I add, dear Father, our hearts and our thoughts so that we might, dear Father, behold wonderful things from your law the Bibles which we hold in our laps. Teach us, dear Father, these things. And to secure us, Father, that we would be taught by you, would you please move me aside? Would you please, dear Father, take the words that I am about to to say and move them, Father, from your heart to ours. May I say nothing, Father, that would be contradictory to what you would have to be said. Would we teach... Purely, the very word of God that has been entrusted to us by the apostles and the prophets. And may we establish this place upon the very cornerstone of whatever church should be built upon. And that is the wonders of your Son, who obediently came to this earth, lived a life pure and holy, without sin, went to the cross, died for each and every single one of us, shed his blood. And then, dear Father, by Your grace, rose from the dead so that we too might never have to worry about spiritual death again. That we might be secure in who we are in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come to a very important section. Let's take a look at at verses 4, 5, and 6 just for today. It's really more than enough to try to handle. We're going to see that God planned this church. Every church. Now, whether a person or a denomination or a pastor wants to build upon the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ, that's up to them. But for you and me in this house, we're going to build this church upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. We will not become a denomination. We will not move away from the very essence of what is the truth of every single church. And that's the rock-solid cornerstone of this church, Jesus Christ. And what God did in planning the church is, is very evident in these three verses 4, 5, and 6. We see that He did three things. It's clear. We see in verse 4, Long ago He chose you and me. verse 4 tells us He chose us in Himself before the foundation of this world. And the reason He chose us is so that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Folks, there is no way that you and I could be holy and blameless before God apart from His intervening within your life. We are, as the Bible teaches, dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And the wages of our sin is death. And all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean, once you become now a Christian, that you are no longer a sinner. You are still a sinner. You are still in need of Jesus Christ. And so God, in His kindness, in His grace, long ago before He established this earth, chose you in His Son to be holy and blameless. Secondly, He predestined you. Look at verse 5. He predestined you and me to be adopted into His family as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Look at, without that, you cannot be a part of the family of God. God had to intervene. God had to predestine you, and He had to adopt you and me into His family. Third thing He did, verse 6, He freely bestowed upon you and me Probably one of the great words in all of Scripture. His grace. To the praise, verse 6. To the praise and glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. The Beloved is, of course, His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I know very well that, 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 that what we're going to talk about, election and predestination, uh, is a difficult passage for, for people to understand. We're going to have to think pretty deeply, but we're going to teach both sides of this coin because the Bible teaches both sides to this coin. This is a foundation, foundational passage for every church that opens up its doors. It, the people who come to a church ought to have some sort of knowledge of Ephesians chapter 1 from verses 1 to verse 14. But especially verses four, five, and six. It is it is critical to your and my security in who we are in Christ. These two words, election and predestination, being chosen by God, are frightening to some, and and and, and listen. Churches and many people run for cover when they hear these words mentioned, but they have a meaning. It's important for you and me to know who we are in Christ. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. The Bible speaks of three kinds of election. Only three, but three kinds of election. Number one, it's in Deuteronomy. In some of these verses you might copy down. We, we, we might not go through all of these verses uh, one-on-one, but you'll be able to read them for yourself if you want to afterwards. And I might go through them quickly before you get there. But listen closely. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, Moses told the people of Israel when they were at Mount Sinai, he said, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. He said to them, The Lord your God has chosen you. He has chosen you, Israel, He has chosen you to be a people for His own possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of this earth, God Almighty, Moses said to Israel, has chosen you. That's election. But that election, chosen by God, had no bearing on their personal salvation. Paul explains that in the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, the 6th and the 7th verse. Paul says, talking about Israel, they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Neither, Paul says, are they all children just because they are Abraham's descendants. In other words, he was teaching what Jesus Christ taught them. Look, at, you cannot say just because you are a part of Abraham's heritage that you are, you are a part of God you are not you have to come to God God's way in the Old Testament they had to believe in the coming whom? Messiah the Messiah was going to come their faith and trust that, that, that the Messiah was going to come gave them faith with God once the Messiah came that's, that changed the whole picture Once He came, now they had to believe that He was the Messiah that God had promised. And apart from believing in Him, they had no salvation. So they couldn't say, Israel could not say just because they were God's chosen people, they couldn't say they were His children because they came from a descendant of Abraham. No, there is a new way faith. That's not new. But now the faith is in the Messiah who came. They had to trust in Him. The second kind of election that is mentioned in Scripture was vocational. God called out. He chose the tribe of Levi to be His priest. They didn't come to Him and say, we'll be the priests. No, He says, you, the tribe of Levi, you shall be my priests. But even at that, The Levites were also not guaranteed salvation just because they were the priests. They had to believe in the coming Messiah just like anyone else did. And so being from the tribe of Levi did not make them saved. It was that they were elected. They were called by God to be the priests. So there was a calling by God to Israel to be His chosen people. There was a calling by God to the tribe of Levi that they would be His priests. And the third kind of election that is mentioned within Scripture is what we are reading here out of Ephesians chapter 1. And it comes to us in verse 4. But this kind of election, it's salvational. It is the, the election that comes to people who are the children of God, adopted into His family, chosen so that we would become holy and blameless. And your holiness and your blameless only comes through the person of Jesus Christ and He alone. John tells us this. In John 6.44, Jesus says, No one can come to Me unless the Father who has sent me, draws them. Draws them to himself. The word draws there is really an important word. In the Greek it is H-E-L-K-U-O. It, 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 it carries the idea of an irresistible force. Best way to explain it is an animal. An animal that is thirsty beyond reason. It is parched and so thirsty that it it takes away the whole idea of being careful. Animals were very cautious when they went into the opening to go to get water. They were very cautious about that because they were very vulnerable to the prey, to someone to come and and to kill them. But when an animal was so thirsty that it couldn't stand it any longer, it was drawn to the waters Draws. It was drawn to the water for drink regardless of the danger because the draw was irresistible. Couldn't live another moment without water. And so that's what this word draw means. It is you and me being drawn to believe in Christ for our Savior. And God the Father has placed that draw upon your heart. Folks, if you hear it, if you sense it, if you feel it right now, and you have never, to your knowledge, come to Christ, yet you feel a drawing in your spirit, don't deny it. Do not deny that draw. Come to believe in Christ. Now, listen, because this is really important. The Bible says that we have a free will. Well, it's not free in the sense that we think of freedom. We have a will, that's true. We have a free will, that's true. But sadly, the Bible teaches this about your and my will before we come to Christ. Our will before we come to Christ is captive only to sin. We can't do any more. We can't do any better. The Bible teaches that your goodness, my goodness, apart from Jesus Christ, is nothing but filthy rags. It's it's of no value to you or me. We can do no good apart from our faith in Christ. And so we have a free will. We can do as we choose. The problem is, the Bible teaches, that we are captive to sin. But nevertheless, we are still able to choose God. Why? Pure and simple. Because God has made that choice possible in your and my heart. I want you to turn to a critical passage with me. Uh, I want you to look at John. We're going to take a look at John um, chapter 3 for just a second. Now, up here we have a, a few verses that we're going to look at. Some of them I'm going to go through, and some of them I'm not going to mention, because these verses are all quite similar in their thought. But in John three sixteen, which most of us know, for God what so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him what not perish, but should have everlasting life. Jesus says this whoever believes in me is not going to perish. That person has eternal life. Jesus also said in John chapter 11, when He spoke to Martha concerning her brother Lazarus who had died, and she had said to Him, Oh Lord, if You would have been here, my brother would not have died. And He says, Your brother will rise again. And then He said to her, Martha, Martha, every person, He says, who lives and believes in Me shall never Die. Talking about spiritual death. So there is a frequent command in Scripture to the unsaved. And that command is to respond to the Lord's call upon your heart. Let me just mention a few calls for those of us, before we became Christians, to choose to follow Him. Old Testament as well as New. We just got through studying the book of Joshua. One of the famous places was in Joshua chapter 24, the 15th verse. You're going to remember it. The moment we start. Joshua looked at the people, and he said to them, as they all gathered around him, he says, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, he says, I want you to do something. Remember? I want you to choose for yourselves Whom you're going to serve. And then he ends by saying, But for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. That was his choice. That was his choice. To serve the Lord his God. In John chapter 5, New Testament, Jesus warned the religious, the self-righteous religious people who were following after Him, for whatever reason, that was between them and and God. Why they were following Him, uh, who knows. But they were not responding to Him. And so Jesus Christ said to these religious leaders, these self-righteous people, He says, you are unwilling to come to be so that you might have life. They were unwilling. Don't you be that person. That call that you feel in your heart, that 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 statement that you have bubbling within you, respond to it. God has chosen you to trust in Him. Now these calls to come, Old as well as New Testament, clearly indicate that the responsibility of you and me is ours to exercise our own will to come to the Lord. But the Bible is just as clear that none of us can receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior who have not been chosen by God. That's a dilemma. Our, our finite minds cannot comprehend the infinite God. Romans 8.29 It says, For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined Romans 9.11 says the twins were not yet born and they hadn't done anything good or bad. This is Romans 9.11. So that God purposed according to His choice that His choice would stand not because of the works, not because of something they did good, but because of Him who calls. Now, I ask you to turn to John chapter 3. Look at John chapter 6. This, This verse is the verse that gives both truths in one single verse. John chapter 6, verse 37. This, I want to wait for you to find this verse. Because this is critical for you and me to understand. John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus is teaching and He says, All, all, All that the Father gives me shall come to me. Folks, that's God's call. All that the Father has chosen, all that the Father gives me is going to come to me. That's you and me. God chose you and me to come to believe in Him. We responded to that call of God. And all of us whom the Father gave to Jesus Christ came to Jesus Christ. But, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but note, the one who comes to me, that's our choice. He says, I will certainly not cast out. You see, God's sovereign election, God's predestination, and our responsibility in choosing Jesus Christ, seems to be, by our finite minds, opposite and irreconcilable. It it seems to be hard to bring them both together. Did God call me or did I respond to Him? Which was it? Listen, that debate within the family of God, within churches, by well-meaning believers throughout the history of the church... It's unresolvable. Our finite minds attempt to make this infinite God into our little package. And so to try to bring it to what we believe by saying, oh yes, he called, or no, I responded, we would compromise one truth in order to favor the other. Or we would weaken both God's election or our response By trying to take a position somewhere in between so as to make them right before everyone. Or as so many do. Or far too many do. We become dogmatic and say our way is the only way. It's neither of them. You and I should embrace both truths and leave the harmonizing of these truths to God. Whether God called you, which He did. Or you chose Him, which some of you did. It's meaningless. Both truths are critical to your salvation. Both of them make you secure in who you are in Christ. I mentioned to you before, in our family, my wife is is, is dogmatic. She says, God chooses and that's it. You don't have... Any say in it. And I stand on the side of, yes, I believe that God chose me, but I believe that I had to respond. It's just, it sets well with who I am in Christ. But if you boil it all down, I know that I am a wretched sinner. And apart from Christ, I have no part in the family of God. I know that. But it just sets well with me somewhere within my spirit to think that I said, Yes, Lord, I'll be yours. But I recognized fully that I could not be holy and blameless apart from who Jesus Christ is in my life. So here's what our Lord teaches. The word choose in the Greek is E-K-L-E-G-O. Here's where you know that I spent way too much in front of my computer. I'm going to tell you things that I don't even understand or know what it means. It's in the aorist tense. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's the middle voice. What's that? What that means is it indicates that God, totally independent, made a choice. Because get this now, the word chose, verb, is reflective. <laughs> what in the world does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It refers us back. Look at verse 4. Here's what it says. Ephesians 1.4. Just as He chose, in other words, that is uh, aorist tense, middle voice, and it is reflective. It refers it back to Himself. He chose us in Himself. And so He not only chose you and me by Himself, but He chose you and me for Himself. He's called you and me to be a part of His family, adopted as children. The primary purpose... In electing you and me. The primary purpose of predestining you and me. The primary purpose of choosing you and me was for the praise of His glory. Look at verse 6. Look. Verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. Look at verse 12. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be the praise of His glory. Look at verse 14 who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Folks, the very reason that God called you and me as believers was to glorify His most precious and glorious name. That is why you and I draw breath. Listen, here's the key. And we'll close with this. Israel is God's elect. They are God's chosen people. Nonetheless, Israel was told in Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8, it said, The Lord did not set His love on you, nor did He choose you because you were more in number than any of the people. For you were the fewest of the people, Moses told them. Here's why God chose you, He said. The Lord chose you because He loves you. He kept an oath which He swore to your forefathers and He brought you out of, by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt. Listen believer, listen, listen you and me. God chose you and me much like He chose Israel. He took you and me out of the house of slavery. You and I were slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We have the right now to follow after God. We have the right now to choose to follow Him and to be holy and blameless. You and I are secure in who we are in Christ Jesus. And in this security, here's why you and I take breath today. Here's why God allowed me to live. Under whatever I was operating on for three hours and all of that. I can show you my scar. Uh, the reason I came out of that and I'm alive today is to glorify the name of my God. That's the purpose that I draw breath today. That's the purpose you and I are alive today. We are alive, chosen by God to glorify His name. So this day, this Sunday, July the 5th, 2009, you can live the rest of this day by choosing to follow after the Lord your God and to glorify Him in all that you do and all that you say and all that you are. That's why God chose you. And if that doesn't make you secure, I don't know what is. The other day I was at the pool with my son and my grandson. And I was watching my son play with my grandson. And I I was sitting there and he couldn't tell, but I was crying. And I was watching him throw him in, you know, like we do as kids. You would throw him in the air and playing with him. And he came down and he sat by me. And I said, I'm so proud of you. John Mark, you're a great dad and he put his arm around my shoulder, and he says, well, I learned from the Master. Whoa. I didn't didn't realize I was teaching him when I was trying to raise him. And I told him, if I could have chosen any son on the face of this earth, I would have chosen you. God looks at you and me, And I believe He says with all the sincerity that He can muster. And by the way, my son is by no stretch of imagination perfect. But I believe that God looks at you and me and says, if I could have chosen anyone on the face of this earth, I would have chosen you. What you and I need to do now is live. Live our lives secure in the fact that God has chosen us to be blameless and holy before Him this day and every day that we live. Now, I've been waiting to say this to you for months. I love you with all my heart. I want to thank you for letting me be a part of this church. Rob, I see you back there. Thanks. I don't know if Wes is here or not. I can't see him. Bill, I thank you. And Pastor Fred has taken a little... Sabbatical right now. I thank the Lord for those four men and the others who have just kept this church going. I love you all so much. I hope that you walk away from here so secure in who you are in Christ. What a privilege we have been given to be chosen, adopted into His family. Father, thank you for this privilege. And I pray that no one would walk away from here, Father, without that security in who they are in Christ. If there's someone here that feels that draw upon their heart, may they just open up their hearts and say, Thank you, Lord. Come. Come. Thank you for allowing me to come to you. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Have a great, great, great day. I'll see you next week. Thank you for being here.